On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. you have your app, open that up. We're going to get started this morning right into it. Uh, I'm going to be talking this morning about discipleship and gathering. Uh, so I'm going to start with a question that I've been pondering a lot lately because I think it's being more, watch this, redefined lately. And that is, what is the church? What is the church? Is it a people? Yes. Is it, a, is it a place? Yes. Is it a noun, a verb, an adjective? Yes, yes, and yes, right? It's all of these things. The interwebs, right, they define church like this. Here's, here's the way the internet defines church, right? A building used for public Christian worship. Mormons get left out of this, right? Mormons don't get heaven, right? right? The Jehovah's Witnesses don't get heaven. No, no, it's only Christian worship, right? No, that's not it. Listen, the first thing that most people think of when they think of church is a building. In fact, most people will give me a location. They'll like, these are the cross streets or the address, as if the church is the building where people meet. But what I really need to do and what we need to do this morning is to truly discover what is church you got to grab the Bible. You got to go, okay, what, what is the definition? So if you got your app this morning again, I hope it's open because I got some stuff I want you to take home today. The word, uh, the word church, uh, it, it's got a complicated history. So this, this word, C-H-U-R-C-H, is kind of complicated. Some say it came from the Greek, actually. And, and I'll, I'll just dig in a little bit here. Kuriaka, which is the, the Greek word for of the Lord, right? Kuriaka. So they say, oh, church, that's of the Lord, right? And, and some say that it actually came from the Latin circus, meaning circle, because the early Christians met in a circle. And if I hope that the irony of circus and church is not lost on us today. Okay, all right, so, so here's what happens, though. So all that said, when you, when you look at the Bible and you see the way Paul calls out church, he uses the word church, he, he's, he's, he's trying to get us to this place, and the word that he uses in the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, is this word, ecclesia. And that's your first blank this morning, so fill this one in. Church, or ecclesia, it means the called out ones. Called out. The called out assembly. That, that's what ecclesia means in the Greek. So that's just digging it. You learned Greek today. Now you can't say, it's all Greek to me. Now you know some Greek. Okay, so the called out assembly. This, this word, ecclesia, it referred, actually, in its context, in the biblical context, refers to a socio-political gathering of people that would, they would come together and they were called together to both uh, attend to the current concerns of their city and to the concerns of God. And so we watch these ecclesias come together and then the church at the time goes, oh, so we're kind of an ecclesia. That's the way they saw it, right? And it's the earliest Christians who probably borrowed, again, at that time, they're borrowing this word, ecclesia, from the Greek Old Testament. So the Old Testament was translated into Greek during the New Testament times, right? During the New Testament, these new Christians are coming in going, wow, we believe in Jesus. How did that come apart? How did that come about? And so they said, well, it came about through this thing over here, this Hebrew thing, this Jewish thing. And they go, well, we don't read Jewish. 
Okay, God says, we, we don't read Hebrew. So you go, oh, then you know what we'll do? We're going to translate the Old Testament, everything that the Jews are reading, we're going to translate it into Greek so you can read it. And so as they're reading, they're going, hey, you know what we are? According to this, we're an ecclesia. So they're pulling this out of the Old Testament. But to really see the church as a social or a political organization, I think it betrays actually what Jesus started. And all you got to do is look at the, uh, the closest election near you to see how well that's working out for us, right? We are not here to join in the cause of the day. L- listen, we are here for the world to join us. We are called out from all of that mess. We, we don't play according to those rules, right? We're over here. But the best thing that the church can do in any society is to be the church, to be the church, the church that Jesus intended and the church that the apostles instructed. See, because when we're this church, when we're this church, the world sees what a just society looks like. I'm not talking about political justice. I'm not talking about social justice. I'm not talking about activism justice. I'm talking about biblical justice. And it's the best. It crosses all boundaries when you dig into biblical justice. You begin to see a society where people are respected. That's biblical justice. Burdens are shared. Talents are, are, aren't exploited. The poor are valued. The rich are participating and they're helpful. And that is when, and you can fill this in, the church is God's prototype. I want you to hear this for everything that's good and beautiful in the world. Here's what God says. Here's how I'm going to function. I am going to function. When you see the church, you see me. (gasps) Get a hold of that one and get ready to walk that one out today. Because I want you to hear it. The church is God's prototype for what's good and beautiful. And listen to me because you need to get this into your spirit. I don't know how you have to tattoo it on your soul. When the world looks at the church, they see God. Can we go hide somewhere now? Wait, that, this is what they think of God? <gasps> All of our addictions, our gossiping, our backbiting, our arguments, our, our splinterings, and they go, if that's God, no thank you, please. The world is looking at us and wondering if we know who we are and whose we are. I just want to, so that's God, huh? Let's open up our Bibles. I want to get some, let's get some church salad this morning, right? You ready for some church salad? Open to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to have some church salad. Uh, if you, you don't have your Bible, grab it one out of the pew back. There, page 283. You can cheat. I want you to see it. I want you to see this. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, it's not going to be a Caesar salad because, you know, the Romans were all against uh, the Jews here, right? And it's not a Romaine salad. Could that be Roman salad? I had a salad joke, but I tossed it. Thank you very much. She, she was like, she, not even a smile. She's like, mmm. Do you know why you always knock on the refrigerator? Because there might be a salad dressing. Okay. Okay. And so we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this salad. We're going to get into salad. So watch this. I, I'm just, I'm tracking. Track with me. I forgot my medication this morning. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10. Watch this. Starting in verse 23. Here, here comes the salad. Let us, right? Let us. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us. 
Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds, good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. You know what we need to do? We need to encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. If there is one thing that everybody agrees about the church, and in some ways it's kind of being contested today, if there's one thing that everybody agrees about, and there's another one of your fill-ins, the church is a gathering. It's a gathering. Jesus made it really simple. He goes, two or more, that's the gathering. That's, this is what we're doing. They're going to know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Not for your love of yourself, how, you, how well you love you. That's how the world's going to know that I am God. That, Jesus said this, right? The world's going to know you're my disciples because you're love for one another. And I want to look at three of these gatherings. There are these discipleship gatherings. I want to look at three of these gatherings today. But before I go there, I want to, I want to look at the purpose of the church. Why are we here? What are we doing? Why, why did we show up here today? The, this called out assembly. Why are we here? Rick Warren, in a terrific book called Purpose Driven Life, suggested that there are five purposes. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. He says, he says hey, listen, these come out of the, the great commandment, right? Love God, love your neighbor. And they come out of the great commission, go into all the world, teach them, baptize them, tell them about me. So Rick Warren, he, he pulled this together and I go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, all these things, this is, this is what we do. But my question is, why are we here? Why is the church here? Why is the church here? We're, we're doing all these things in our society and making our world a better place and a more peaceful place to live, right? But again, why? There is a, a terrific author, which I am a huge fan of, a guy named Dallas Willard, and he says that there is an elephant in the church. There's an elephant in the church. Anybody ever heard of this term? You ever hear, hear that, that idiom phrase, right? It's the idea that something is so huge and yet it's being ignored, right? We typically use it elephant in the room, right? It's, it, you most use that when you leave the family reunion. Man, that was the elephant in the room when Aunt Florence came. Oh, boy, right? It's this, it's this topic, this question, this, this issue that everybody knows about, but nobody's talking about because it makes people uncomfortable. Well, Dallas Willard, he said, there is an elephant in the church, and, and the elephant in the church that Willard talks about is, is that it is almost universally conceded. Everybody has just come to the conclusion that you can be a Christian without being a disciple. I'm going to say that again. The elephant in the church is that everybody has just come to the conclusion, we've just resigned to the fact that you can be a Christian and not be a disciple. And that's a problem. That's a problem. We see it everywhere in America. Ask, ask a churchgoer sometime if they're a Christian, and the answer will come back very quickly. I encourage you, ask a churchgoer sometime if they're a disciple, and then count the pause. 1001, or Mississippi 1, Mississippi 2, Mississippi. As people think about, uh, wait a minute, what do you mean by that? Oh, I mean what the Bible means by that. I, when I, I, the only place you're going to see those kinds of words used, discipleship, it's here in the Bible. 
And so it, there's this awkward pause. And there's, there's one of the many reasons that, that I actually like to use the word apprentice. I've moved away from this discipleship word, even though it's all over the Bible. But it's because I like apprentice because it's talking about someone who has a desire to be with another person in order to do what that person does or become who that person is. We, we understand apprentice. You, I, I'm, I'm an electrician's apprentice. I, you know, we, we understand this phraseology, right? And, and if I am Jesus' apprentice, that means I am with him to learn from him so that I can be like him. That's what, it, that's what I'm trying to do every day. And the problem is today is the individuality in our culture that reigns supreme, right? People think they, well, I'm going to learn to be an airplane pilot. I'm going to just watch YouTube videos. And I'm going to learn to fly an airplane because I want to do it my way. Why should I have to pay all that extra money to go to flight school? I just watch these videos on YouTube and now I'm a pilot. I'm like, that's not the way it works. Now, we all giggle and laugh, but I'm, but I'm telling you, I cannot tell you. Just transfer that little silly example I just gave. I'm going to learn to be an airplane pilot on YouTube. I'm going to learn discipleship my way. I'm telling you, it is exactly the same. I, I, I'm following Jesus the way my Jesus. <laughs> is, is your Jesus this Jesus? Because this Jesus says we got to start getting together. Don't stop getting together the way some people do. Not you, right? Oh, no, we come together. People are so busy doing it their way. Then when it comes to following Jesus, and I, and I want you to hear this because I, I, I just was digging into this recently. The word Christian in our Bible, in our New Testament, shows up three times. The word disciple shows up 269 times. Do you think there's a message here? I'm just, I'm just saying, how did we become Christians without being disciples? How did we separate those two things? Somewhere in the church, we went, oh, saved by grace, on, and on faith alone, just by grace. So we don't have to study the Bible or anything. Ah, 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 ah. This isn't about salvation. There's something more happening here. I think in America, the church in America has separated conversion. There was this thing called conversion to God, conversion to Christ. It was where I want to be transformed, right? And the first conversion is believing it is this salvation. It's getting people into heaven after they die. It's the heavenly transition. And then there's this second conversion called following, which is it's discipleship. It's getting heaven into people before they die. It's the formation, spiritual formation, right? The earthly formation. But see, all people are concerned about is, look, when I die, I just don't want to go to hell. I need fire insurance, man. And so they like this conversion, but this one over here, that's just a hassle. Oh, I want to do what I want to do. And God will let us do exactly what we want to do. Fill this in. To be an apprentice of Jesus is to lead my life as Jesus would lead it if he were me. Listen to me now. You've heard me say this before. Here's salvation. I have Jesus in me, here's apprenticeship. I have Jesus through me. There's a big difference. Jesus in me, Jesus through me. 
Have you ever been mistaken for Jesus? Has somebody ever said, are you, are you an angel? Because nobody I know would do what you just did. That, that's what this, this, is, this discipleship is, is needed for. So today I want to look at three discipleship gatherings. Three gatherings. The first gathering is right here, right now in this place. It's in buildings like this all over our valley and all around the world. It's what I refer to as rows. See? See how we're sitting? Rows. That's this first discipleship gathering. Somebody gets up here and goes, here's what God thinks about you, right? We get together and we gather and with one voice, we sing songs. We say, our God is one. And then with one voice, we say, Jesus is Lord. See, this larger faith expressive gathering, it's pretty straightforward. And yet, as again I said, it's being contested because we're approaching it with our individuality. I want to do church my way. And so people go into the woods or they lay on the beach or they stay at home or they podcast something on the way to work, right? And they call it church, which is spiritual. It is definitely spiritual, but it is not what the Bible refers to as a called out assembly. An assembly of persons, people. The second discipleship gathering I want to look at is on your chair this morning. I call them circles. This is what I call circles. It's circles. These are small groups, eye-to-eye gatherings around food and conversations. It's what we heard the Massiminos and the Spencers talking about in this, vi- in this video. These are medium-sized, multi-generational, familial gatherings, right? The sanctuary, we call them community groups. This is on your chair. I encourage you, just stick it in your Bible right there. That's a great bookmark because I want you to consider community groups. Consider community groups. It's the same thing that happens right here in this building on a Sunday morning, only now it's in neighborhoods, living rooms, and backyards. The neighborhood environment provides opportunities for closer community, a place of belonging, a moment to interact. See, right now we get in, we get out, we come in. There's a purpose for this gathering. But out there, the community group gathering, there's a different purpose for it. It's lasting a couple of hours. I know uh, the Edwards community group recently provided food for someone who'd been out of work for three years due to some serious health challenges. And you know where that person lived? Out in the AV. But they were part of this community group, so they said, well, we got to go help feed this person. So they went and got some groceries. The Spencer, same thing. Got, went to the food pantry, our food pantry, got several bags of groceries because someone in their community group got COVID, but the cupboards were empty when they got COVID, right? It just so happened. So they're like, ugh, can't go grocery shop. So the Spencer's community group goes to our food pantry, grabs, grabs several bags of groceries, then goes to the grocery store, grabs some stuff, and then takes it over to her and says, hey, now you're okay through COVID. Go ahead. You're, you're, it's all right. Fill your empty cupboards. See, again, these community groups, they're just different ages and stages. And, and the reason why is because growth groups, these community groups rather, they, they're a place where people can come together. And, and that's where growth is happening. Growth is happening in this cross-pollination where, where people are different. They're different from each other. And that, watch this, we don't like it, but it accelerates our growth when someone's not like me. When someone challenges the way I think, I want, I want, 
and this, I've, I've been in community groups that they're like, no, 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 the sour cream always goes to the right of the, of the refried beans. <laughs> Why? Right? Just let it be. It doesn't let it bean. Uh, wah. Really? Oh, you got to have it this way. I'm like, ah. but watch this. I, I have to learn to let go. I don't care. I don't care. And hopefully that person will learn to let go as well. All right. These community groups are like Sunday mornings, but you're just not on a Sunday morning. So I want, to, I want you to consider these community groups. They're meeting throughout the Santa Cruz Valley. But here's, here's the thing. Not only are they meeting throughout the valley, we have one that needs to meet in your neighborhood. I, I just said it. We, you need to consider, please consider, as part of our community, consider having a community group in your home where you are at. To find out more, here's, here's this thing right here. Take your picture and go click, click, click. Community at the sanctuarychurch.com. Here's what's going on. September 11th, and September 18th, we're having interest meetings. You want to lead one? You want to host one? I got a home. I do not want to lead. That's what the Massaminos were saying. Did you hear them? They're going, I, I would like to have one, but don't make me lead a group discussion. Other people are going, I live in an apartment. I could probably have four or five people, but I would love to lead one, but I just don't have a place to do it. We're, we're matching these people together at this interest meeting on the 11th and the 18th. Vicki Vicky McCoy is going to be leading us in that. These are... This is where we get everyday families. These are everyday families, okay? So the first discipleship group is this congregational gathering, right, in rows. It's where we get encouragement, we get worship, we get teaching. This second discipleship group is a conversational. It's happening in neighborhoods, what I call circles. That's where prayer, discussion, belonging, family connection, right? But the third discipleship gathering is relational. It's what I call, it's what I call chairs. So we've gone to rows, to circles, to chairs. There's three or four people. This is where connection's really happening. This third gathering is what we call growth groups. Growth groups. And that card is on your seat as well. I want you to take this card and again, stick it in your Bible. And would you consider growth groups? This is a third discipleship gathering that is probably, I would imagine, the most intimidating <laughs> because most people it's where the closest proximity there is to others. And it's something that's developed over time. Check this out. Here, here's a growth group. It's people of the same gender, somewhere in the same stage of life, somewhere in there, where they're kind of going through kind of the same things. But it's not exactly the same. But it's what I call a, a complete circuit. You've you got someone here in their 50s, someone in their 40s, and someone in their 30s. And, and, and maybe there's someone in their 40s and someone in their 60s. And, and it just kind of moves together. We go, oh, I need to learn. Man, I, as a young married man, my bride and I, were, we, we, called, we were belonged to a small marriage group called the Fumblers. There was a great reason we were called the Fumblers, right? Because we, we don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to figure it out. Had I had some people in my life to go, um, you're not going to like the outcome of that decision, Marty. Oh, thank you. There's this moment. We've got to come together. I want to encourage you to go over this card. Because this card describes a year-long process of getting to know someone and going, can I, can I be comfortable with that person? It starts with, hey, what, what are you reading in the Bible that stands out to you this week? And it, listen, I'm going to step right out here. I'll get right on the edge of the stage. If you get together with people who don't read the Bible, stop getting together with them. <laughs> listen, this is how we become disciples. What are you reading in the Bible that stands out to you that is bringing you growth? Maybe it can help me grow. 
But oftentimes, we call, we call them, oh, I have an accountability group. What do you do? We go out for breakfast. We have coffee together. And what do you talk about? Work. How about we start with, what, what are you reading in the Bible? Okay, cool. How can I pray for you? Done. That's it. That's stage one. And, I, and I've outlined them for you here. I encourage you. I've, I've given it all on one card because I want you to get, that's stage one, just encouragement. Stage two is partnership. Hey, man. Hey, what are you reading in the Bible? And hey, what's going on in your life in that place at your work? Ooh. Because you shared last week about your boss. You said your boss said this, and it kind of made you uncomfortable. You said you're going to have to talk to him. So I've been praying for you about your boss. Oh, how can I pray for you? Stage two. Stage two, partnership. I'm for you. I remember what you said about you're in school, and you said that teacher was coming down on you, and you had this test that was coming up. Hey, so I've been praying for you. How's that going? That's partnership. Stage two. Stage three, those questions, what are you reading? How's it going at work? And hey, have, have you been given in to any of those addictive behaviors? That's about a year into the relationship. I, we, don't, we don't just have those kinds of conversations with people right off the bat. I, again, I'm encouraging you. I'm flying through this thing. But I want you to take this home and ask yourself, do I have that kind of relationship in my life? Even stage one let alone stage three. But this, my friends, is discipleship. It's a place about knowing others and being known. Knowing what goes inside of me. These smaller, again, gender-specific groups, they're mutually supportive. You ever had that friend who does nothing but drain you? By the way, if you don't have that friend, it could be you just so you know, right? But, but you see, it's mutually supportive. That's what, that's what this group is. These are, again, just, I think, the way that Jesus gives us a, a, a way to enter into what I'll call happy obedience. You can call it personal fulfillment if you'd like. But Jesus says, hey, listen, there, there's a way. This apprenticeship is Christian discipleship. This is the way it's done. Because the good news of Jesus is good news for life. And if there's an area where you're lacking life, then you apply discipleship to it. Apply discipleship to it. Somebody can help me get out of this. But our individuality says, I'll just watch a YouTube video. I can't tell you how often I hear people go, I, I recommend a book. Oh, this book was so good. Is there like a TED Talk that can review it for me? I just need it in eight minutes, man. I don't, I don't have time to, to dig into it. It's work. The life of Jesus is work. And again, I'm going to live my life as if Jesus were living my life, if he were me. How did I respond to my bride when she pressed all three of my buttons right away? Bing, bing, bing. Oh, you didn't just do that, right? I'll tell you, there's conflict in my house, right? And I go, oh, no, I've got to be Jesus today. Here, here it is. If you're not regularly in these kinds of discipleship gatherings, maybe you are the elephant in the church. Something has to change. Discipleship and, and our ticket to heaven, this is all one, this conversion thing is one thing. 